Shanaz, tell us, how did this idea come about? A thousand and one essay stories. Is it what it sounds like? <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much. Um, so there's a couple of things. Um, the first thing is I've always been interested in history. The second thing is I think I'm quite passionate about South Africa and I was trying to find a platform in which I felt I could make some kind of contribution, whether big or small. Uh, but then there were sort of two catalysts. Um, the one was Penny Sparrow's tweet and in the same week I attended a talk at the District 6 Museum and there was a gentleman there whose name I just cannot remember now um, but he spoke about how he was arrested uh, because he didn't have a pass and how he was then sent to a farm to, as a labourer to pay off like his jail time and the disparity in uh, you know in from Penny Sparrow's tweet to this it was just it was enormous it was almost like my brain couldn't quite make sense of it and I recognize and I realize that you know we live in this fractured society and there is this disparity but for me the thing is if we understood if we understood what our fellow countrymen went through I think there wouldn't be that kind of space for those kinds of, you know, offensive and obscene tweets. I think we, you could have an opinion about something, whatever that is, but, you know, it would, I would hope that it would be more nuanced. I would hope that when we engage with each other on social plat uh, media platforms, um, that if we had a, just a general understanding, a broad understanding of our history, like, you know, that there'd be something a little bit more there than just offense. <laughs> um, then I've always been fascinated by Humans of New York. Um, mm. And I just thought, try to combine those things. Um, so get people to tell their stories. Um, and hopefully through this shared narrative, come to understand our country a bit better, understand the experiences that different South Africans from different walks of life have. And my hope for the project um, when I started is, I'm Cape Town based, but uh, you know, but a thousand and one South African stories, there are so many stories, uh, everybody has a story to share, uh, you know, that different people in different cities and different centers uh, sort of take up the mantle and, you know, start the project in other places. So it's a thousand and one, and it literally is one thousand one <laughs> people telling their stories, not all at once, obviously. <laughs> no, uh, the hope is that we build to a thousand and one. I mean, at the moment, I think we have 22, so we have a long way to go. Uh, I mean, it's also a play on uh, words, you know, with the thousand and one Arabian nights. But I thought, why not? I mean, we're a country of 50 million people. Uh, surely it can't be that hard to get a thousand and one stories. Um, but yeah, so that's the idea behind it. And you mentioned the, the, the Penny Sparrow tweet, which I'm sure we're all familiar with sort of etched in our etched in our brains um, but presumably not all 1001 stories will be about race or will they no uh, look we'll, I'm trying to collate a diverse um, body of stories if you like um, everybody's got different experience uh, I've interviewed people or we've invited people to speak who are in their 90s and 80s had a very very different experience of South Africa um, I'm you know I'm not kind of going chronologically either. Initially, that was kind of my idea, but I've decided against it. I just really want to capture the vibrancy of South Africa and South Africans. And everybody has, you know, whether it's a story of resilience or passion or, you know, just, 
understanding where we've come from. I, I think linked to that, I also have to say is I know that we are in a very difficult stage in the country, but there are a couple of things which I personally don't agree with in terms of popular sentiment, if it, if you like. One of them is that nothing has changed. Um, I think that's also one of the catalysts for this project is we've got a long way to travel in South Africa. It's a long road and you know there's lots of ebbs and flows and, and dips and dives and all of that. But if people can share their stories with us and, and you can understand what people lived like actually under apartheid, I don't think you can say confidently that nothing has changed. You know, I, I, I I understand again for me personally I've had a more privileged upbringing you know I went to a good school you know all of those things so I do understand that for a vast majority of South Africans there's a lot more that needs to be done so that people have opportunity access and can you know really reach their full potential but I still think that to just kind of you know slap it around that nothing has changed is wrong. I, I also think that for people who've made great sacrifices to get South Africa to this point, I actually think, you know, it does them a disservice. Um, and again, I feel if we can measure where we've come from to where we're at, I think that we can take stock and, and then look forward and cast our eyes forward and think like, okay, let's now move at a pace to get to this point. I mean, certainly for, for you and I, um, as, as women of colour, we probably wouldn't be sitting here um, in a car in Long Street. I, I, must, I must say that to the listener. Um, I'm, I'm speaking about this certainly 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and, and you see, and I think that's the thing. And I think that's what I recognise. I recognise how fundamentally my life has changed, how fundamentally the opportunities and options I have, how different it is to my parents' world. Uh, you know, the challenges are different. Uh, the things my parents experienced are, you know, very different. Uh, their opportunities. You know, if I say something like, I'm going to eat sushi, you know, my mother's like, why are you eating raw fish? You know, it's just, my life has allowed me, a new, the, a democratic South Africa has allowed me to be a global citizen. And I want that for more people. I want that for, for everybody in my country. I want that especially for, for more women and more black women. Uh, you know, and I, and I know that. And I know that my opportunities and what the vast majority of black women get to experience, you know, there, there's such discrepancy with that. But I really want that to change. And part of that, I think, is for me, understanding where we've come from, you know, looking at our history and, and tonight's session in particular was a celebration of black excellence in many ways. It spoke about black cricketers, it spoke about black graduates, it spoke about a women black graduate. And if we understand that history, we also understand that, you know, there have been these amazing people, there have been these amazing role models. And, you know, it's, it's not just this sort of colonial um, version of South Africa. And hopefully those things allow us to kind of have a better sense of self, a better sense of identity. And, you know, these are complex questions. They're very, very complicated. You know, I, I like think about these things all the time in terms of how do I fit in as someone who comes from this Indian background. And for me, when I've gone to India on holiday, I can immediately tell you <laughs> that it's all very, you know, there's parts of it which is like, oh, okay, this is like, you know, Bollywood actors and, and this and that and, you know, beautiful saris and whatever. But I don't 
I don't belong, I don't fit in. And so when I'm here in South Africa, I know that this is my home, but at the same time, because we are such a fractured society, I feel like, you know, my identity gets, you know, gets pulled in different directions because you're, you've got class, you've got race, you've got religion, you've got the history we've come from. So what I'm really hoping this project does in many ways is it celebrates that diversity. It says, look, Here's a bunch of people that call South Africa home. They've all got these different stories. Some people have this experience, some people have that experience, but it's home to all of us. Now, let's just, you know, let's just, and like, let's just kind of, you know, I don't want to say like, let's just get on with it, but in a way it's like, okay, we're here and, and, and we're fabulous and we're vibrant. So yeah, let's, let's think about the future that we want to build and let's recognize um, how far we've traveled. Talk about some of the uh, guest speakers that you've had uh, so far. I take us back to the, the first one. Who was the first one? Uh, the first two speakers actually were my mother-in-law, <laughs> uh, Dr. Julie Jaffa and Charlene Houston. And when I started the project, of course, I had to co-opt everybody and anybody I knew. And my mother-in-law specifically to me had a very interesting story. She's a medical doctor and was at university in the 70s. And because of everything that was going on at universities at the time, I thought she would have a very interesting story to tell. What was it like being a medical student in the 70s? Uh, you know, and so she narrated her story. And um, Charlene Houston is an activist. Uh, she was, you know, imprisoned when she was in high school. Um, you know, actually her sister was imprisoned when she was in high school. But, you know, really spoke about the struggle to have access to education and so I think because of what was happening in the country at the time and, and still is around debates and discussions around education I thought other than the fact that these were the two people I could latch onto and say hey this is my project that I would like to start um, yeah I also thought they had very interesting stories to tell. What are some of the more common themes that have come up? Ooh, um, you know I think I think resilience, I think passion, uh, and I think this unyielding um, sort of belief in trying to make things better for everyone. And I think that is what I found most inspirational. Uh, all of the speakers, you know, have had very different experiences of South Africa and, and have shared little segments of that, you know, because it's 20 minutes and there's only so much that they can talk about. So, but one of, but those I think are the major themes that come through. and. I think also, I think I have to say a kind of disappointment also in what's happening currently in the country because a lot of people, especially those who lived sort of during, you know, the heavy days of apartheid, um, I think they, 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 they kind of expected us to be at a different point to where we are at now. And I think that's one of the, the other themes that comes through is just uh, sort of a disappointment at, at where we're at, that we haven't progressed maybe even further or maybe the, the current sort of shenanigans in our politics. Do you think we, we often look at the past 20, 25 years um, and, and as you were saying that, that often there is disappointment that we haven't come further, um, often there is anger um, from other people that perhaps we haven't come further um, or that things haven't changed or that things have changed too much um, in the way that some might might see that that things are, are worse. Um, but it has only been such a short space of time. Do you think that we as South Africans lose sight of that? Definitely. <laughs> uh, look, I think, like I said, I think there's disappointment in that where, 
you know, if we if we reading about corruption and and all of that, it, it's very heavy to 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 sort of accept that given the circumstances of most of the people in our country. I think it's also very difficult to kind of reconcile all of that when there's such an urgent need uh, to do more to you know whether it's trans whether you prefer the word transform or decolonize you know there's a lot more that we need to do and, and then we get caught up in in sort of everyday messy muddy yucky politics I think that I think is fair to be disappointed in but I think 25 years uh, it's it's not long it's not long in history of a country it's not long and I think that that's also part of why I personally feel agitated when people say nothing have, has changed because I think in as much as I say there's a long way for us to travel we have to take stock of what we have and then we've got to defend that you know I think that's the other part is I think for those of us who kind of were born a bit later and, and you know who sort of experienced um, sort of the, the fruits of democracy I, I think we take it for granted and I don't think that we feel that we have to defend it I don't think that we feel we have to be active citizens in any way um, so I think for me um, you know I, I don't think that you can ever um, sort of just sit back I think uh, you know, to to make a country work and to make a democracy work and a multi-racial democracy work and all of those sorts of things. I think you've always got to be involved and engaged. Um, you know, otherwise we end up with like a sadly an America type situation. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, tell us a little bit more about um, some of the people that you've got coming up, and also how do you find people? Um, because you've got your own. You say around twenty. You've got a few more people to find uh, yeah <laughs> I, I latch on to anybody and everybody I'm like oh wow you've got an interesting story to tell so I mean and then I and then and, and, um, you know and then I'm relentless and I start stalking people <laughs> so look I we've I've really just it's it's one person that leads to another person so one of the speakers will be like oh you know I went to school with this person and then I'm like okay great I'm gonna call you tomorrow and then you're gonna put me in touch with this person and then I just stalk that person um, so for for the kind of months ahead I, I really want to invite people um, who are sort of either refugees in South Africa or um, you know what we call foreign nationals in South Africa to come and share their stories um, I want to try and get younger university students to come and talk about their experiences um, there's a these two girls that I've been following on Facebook called Coloured Mentality. They are fabulous. <laughs> High Coloured Mentality. We've, <laughs> yeah, we've had them on Cape Talk. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've reached out to them and been like, hi, you know. And, and then generally I just try and like, you know, scour the news, see who's doing what, uh, and then just approach people. Some people are obviously more willing to share their stories than others. And, you know, again, I'm not going to, to force someone. But I just feel that we are so interesting <laughs> as a, as a group, as a nation of people, and um, we have such diverse experiences. Uh, and I really just want to try and tap into as many people as possible. So, um, yeah, I can't say for certain, like in terms of a, a lineup, because these things just kind of happen very much on an ad hoc basis. Um, but yeah, if you meet me, there's a good chance I'll start stalking you. <laughs> if somebody's uh, listening now and thinks I've actually got a really interesting story, or or my daughter has, or my grandmother has, how do they get in touch with you? 
please contact me via Facebook. Um, our Facebook page is our sort of our, our medium. We post everything on our Facebook page. It's a thousand and one South African stories. So the numerals a thousand and one. And yeah, please just pop us a message. I'm always eager to hear from everybody. I'm trying to get as many people involved in the project. Like I said, if there are people in other cities who, you know, um, wish to start their own chapter for thousand and one South African stories, I'd really encourage that. Um, I really just want us to try and start talking to each other, learning about our history. I really, truly believe that we really have such a bizarre and fractured sense of our history. And I really think that one of the first steps in having more meaningful discussions about our politics and our policies and all of the rest is if we really have a have a better understanding, a more cohesive understanding of South African history. And I've, and I've really tried to um, make that sort of the central aim of this project. Do you, do you find it true, and, I, and I, I'm aware of, sort of other similar groups or, or lectures that will take place, and the type of people that attend these lectures tend to be... Um, people like like yourself quite open-minded to to the idea of change or transformation as we may call it um but are those necessarily the people that need to be attending um do, do you see what i mean and and, I, and also talk to me a little bit about the audiences that you do have uh no look i think it's very interesting it's a it is something that you know i think about every every time we hold a session like who's going to walk in through the door because it's free and it's open to all and um obviously trying to attract as many people as possible which is also kind of why we try to make podcasts and little videos because we thought uh you know if you can't attend you can still listen uh you can still be engaged in some way so there's kind of two things one is sometimes especially on social media platforms um the message does sort of reach people who may not be as open-minded and they kind of comment negatively often but the, the thing is that you know it is reaching them so you know um I, I i'd still take that i'll still take that as a positive the other thing is you know despite maybe this whole thing about echo chambers and all the rest of it i also feel that people who may attend these types of things often tend to be a little bit more engaged with the world and politics around them and I also think that they feel quite depleted and so I think one of the things about these sessions is that I find it invigorating because you get to and you know maybe it is echo chamber and you're talking to the same people but it does invigorate you and give you sort of a bit more stamina to carry on um, but I'm always hopeful that, you know, we try and attract more people uh, to this. The interesting thing is that we attract a number of foreign visitors. Uh, you know, I think they're in the city and I think they're interested in South Africa. And so they pop by. So often have like a, a good number of foreigners in the audience. Um, I would like, uh, you know, younger people to, to sort of attend um, again across board and across range of people but you know especially those people like myself who may have come from more privileged backgrounds I think it's very important to understand um, you know how that privilege works and and sort of you know not and, and be aware of it so yeah yeah, indeed, indeed. And you were talking about it being invigorating, and, and I really sensed that one of your guests tonight, um, Zubeda Jaffa, and it was it was wonderful to, to hear her speaking, um, not only um, about Charlotte McMichael um, and and her achievements, but also reminding ourselves that you know Zubeda was um, doing what what was so badly needed 
10, 20, 30 years ago. I mean, it is invigorating because I think we can get into that sense of who's on our side um, and to remind ourselves that actually these people have come before us mm -hmm. and they've paved the way for you and I to sit in a car in Long Street <laughs> and for you to, 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 yeah. to, to do what you're doing with 1001 Stories. Um, just like, has anything surprised you? Has anything come up that surprised you about, about the project? You know, I think um, some of the things were just how, you know, for certain storytellers, uh, I think that it was actually a bit therapeutic to tell their story, and I think that surprised me. And I know it sounds a bit silly, but I often forget in many ways just how traumatic it was for people who lived under apartheid. And there's a whole segment of our society that probably still suffers with some kind of trauma. And it's very easy for me to forget about it because you just carry on with your day-to-day -day life. And when people share their stories and you kind of feel the emotion and you see the emotion and at the end they were like, you know, I've had storytellers say to me, oh, you know, this was somewhat therapeutic. Um, you actually realize you know, just how much healing still needs to happen um, as well as for the audience who listen to these stories because the positive of course is that you know uh, there's sort of some energy and you feel invigorated and you're like yeah I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna change the world but at the same time I, th I think there's this like emotional catharsis, catharsis <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word that happens and um, and I and I was surprised by that I was surprised of by that for myself. Uh, I was surprised when I saw it in speakers. I was surprised when I saw it in the audience because I think I just approached it very much as a head exercise, not really as a heart exercise. And I think I was, I, I've, I, I, I underplayed the emotional value of this project in many ways. Yeah, I mean, I think you raise an, an interesting point there. I think when, when on such a grand scale um, something has happened to so many people, and I'm obviously talking about apartheid and the the oppression, I think one forgets perhaps the personal impact it can have, um, and therefore, as you say, the need to put a voice to that trauma. Yeah, um, you know, because it's often we, and I think that that was also one of the things about the project is history. If you're just talking about statistics. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, 5,000 people. You know, if you say 5,000 people died, it, you know, really, it, it doesn't make an impact because it's just a number and you read something and you can carry on. But when someone actually talks to you about something they experienced, something they saw, something they felt, something they tasted, you know, they, they, fear they all of these things that they speak about that story becomes a lot more real for you and i think um i i really hope that those personal narratives help inform um our sense of history of, of what actually happened in the country you know um and also i think part of that is you we can't get away from it you know like we can't get away from what happened and i just you know, and I, I think it'll take a long time before people, you know, are at peace with it or, or come to terms with it because so much needs to happen in order for, for our turbulent history to be but like this distant memory. But at the same time, I think if we understand all of these different facets and that things that kind of made up our history, I think it does set up, I, I don't think we should be afraid of embracing it, you know, not celebrating it, but I think just embracing being like, okay, so this is what happened and okay this 
it's re it was real and this is what happened and you know there's a lot of then maybe uncomfortable and awkward conversations that then need to flow from that because I think once you understand like okay this happened these are the reasons that maybe I think the way I do about certain things and I, I really think you know it also challenges us to open up and and hopefully I think just challenges us and open up to make us love all of our country mm. uh, yeah Wonderful. Thank you so much for, for giving this platform uh, to people. I think it's incredible what you're doing and thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me and thank you so much for the support. I greatly appreciate it.